This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. From the Headstuff Podcast Network, welcome to the World According to Wikipedia, the podcast that explores the weird, wonderful and baffling world of Wikipedia, the people who write it and what makes them tick. With me, Fanula. And me, Rebecca. In this episode, we will talk to Anastasia Petrova, the International Coordinator for Wikiloves Earth. Thanks to episode nine. I know all about Wikiloves folklore. So what is this Wikiloves Earth and what's it about? Wikiloves Earth is all about protected landscapes and environments and taking photographs of said. It is one of the international photography competitions run by the Wikimedia community all around the world. But it began in Ukraine in 2013. And local groups like ourselves here in Ireland organise an edition of Wikiloves Earth for their region or country to encourage participants to upload pictures to Wikimedia Commons of areas like national parks, special areas of protection and other designations like Ramsar sites. Ramsar sites? What are they? This is where we start to get a little bit technical. The thing about Wikiloves Earth and Wikiloves Monuments, as opposed to, say, Wikiloves Folklore, is that they are specifically about designated protected sites. Okay. Designated either by local government or internationally. Ramsar sites in particular are an international designation for wetland sites that are of critical importance for birds under the Ramsar Convention. This convention was signed in 1971 in the Iranian city of Ramsar, so hence the name, mm-hmm. uh, making it the oldest, the oldest modern global intergovernmental environmental agreement. Now, say that five times quickly. Uh, so we have over 50 of them on the island of Ireland, uh, from nesting sites and migratory feeding sites uh, and unique wetland conditions in bogs, fens and estuaries. And a lot of them, of these protected sites, would have multiple designations. So you could be, you could have a Ramsar site that's also a special area of conservation and could be part of a larger nature reserve. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know anything about the Ramsar designation. The things you learn on Wikipedia. I'm telling you. For this episode's random rule, Fanula, what are your feelings on cabals? Like secret cabals. Well, I think the more successful cabals tend to be secret by default. But regardless of your feelings on them, the Wikimedia community has thoughts on the matter. Oh, go on. Tell me. As you might have gleaned from the past 11 episodes, Wikipedians are aware of how their activities can be viewed outside of Wikipedia um, and by new editors who try and kind of come into the community. Sometimes to those people, it can appear that those who don't fully feel part of the community, you know, that there is some sort of cabal running the show, basically. And this is a joke that Wikipedians, particularly on English Wikipedia, have embraced wholeheartedly. Hmm. So what you're telling me is that there is a secret cabal, but it's not so secret because it's a joke secret cabal, but really it's a secret cabal. It's more that it's a joke that what how Wikipedia works can make it look as if there's a secret, series of secret cabals, okay. but actually it's just perceived that way. And uh, Okay. To have a secret cabal would probably take a level of activity that Wikipedians just probably couldn't be bothered with, to be honest. Effort, that kind of thing. Yeah. So how how are these jokes? What are these jokes? Tell me a bit more about that. So there are, are a number of humorous essays and there's lots of actually humorous essays in, you know, what we refer to as kind of the, it's the non kind of main space. So kind of behind the scenes, basically, but they're all freely accessible. Um, and uh, so there's loads of them written about Wikipedia and specifically about this idea. So if you're interested in reading it, it's quite short. Uh, so just type in WP colon 
cabals and it'll bring you to this particular page uh, we will put it in the show notes so just pop that in your your search bar if you're curious um, and a lot of editors will have uh, tags user boxes or graphics on their user page claiming to be cabal approved so like the stamp uh, and some joke cabals do exist like so there's a big long list of joke cabals one of which is the bot cabal so it is a cabal made completely of the robots editors have coded to do the more menial and repetitive tasks on Wikipedia. So the robots really do run everything? Or do the people who code the robots run everything? Uh. Another way in which cabals can be seen to operate is by editors taking discussions off of Wikipedia onto other less transparent or accessible channels. The rise of social media, Facebook groups, Twitter hashtags, Discord channels, does make some editors feel a little bit uneasy at times and point to this as a potential issue for people kind of coming to consensus or, you know, kind of discussing things off of Wikipedia and then bringing that decision to Wikipedia. And then there's no kind of access to how that decision was come to. That's where this kind of sometimes comes up. But unless you engage in canvassing, capital letters, um, it is generally okay. But canvassing might be a topic for another day. Canvassing. So like not the political canvassing, which uh, or is it? Like door-to-door Wikipedians? Is that what we're talking about here? A, a virtual door-to-door Wikipedians. So if you've just if, if you have a strong feeling on a discussion, um, and then you think you have a load of editors who perhaps haven't t- pay, t- taken part in a discussion, that you might like ping them or let them know that the conversation is going on and draw them to it, mm. and perhaps drawing them into a conversation, saying things like, "Oh, you know," strongly implying perhaps what way they should feel about it in the invitation. Hmm. This is something that I would like to go into in more detail in the future. We are now going to talk to Anastasia about her role as international coordinator of Wiki Loves Earth. Hi, uh, I'm Anastasia. I'm from Ukraine and I'll be happy to talk about Wiki Loves Earth, the international photography competition I uh, work with for the second year in a row. Uh, I'm also a passionate photographer, a manager, and a communications manager as well. I'm passionate about uh, graphic design, uh, writing, and sharing the beauty of the world and important topics such as ecology, uh, human rights uh, to the public. Oh, a real arts background there, which I quite like. So first of all, for those who don't know, what is Wiki Loves Earth? So Wiki Loves Earth is an international photography competition devoted to nature uh, areas, to protected areas around the world. And uh, it has started in 2013 uh, in Ukraine, in Wikimedia and Ukraine chapter organized the contest for the first time. And then after the, when we saw a lot of interest and a lot of uh, involvement, we uh, just we made the competition international from 2014. And then uh, now the this year's competition is uh, held for the ninth time. So it's the contest with the long history. And uh, it gathers pictures of protected areas of natural parks, of sanctuaries and other areas uh, to highlight uh, the importance of the protected areas or importance of nature protection and uh, uh, ecology as well. And uh, also the main aim is to create the biggest database of free photos on Wikipedia of this area. So after the competition, they they actually can be used and they can illustrate articles and lists. Uh, That's in briefly about the competition, but um, 
anything else I can I will tell later. So you're the the international uh, coordinator. So what what does that mean on a on a day to day basis for you? It's a very exciting job. To, to, first of all, uh, it's very exciting uh, team. I, I love working with the team. We have the international uh, in, international organizing team that coordinates the contest uh, on the international level, and uh, we build a strategy of it. We analyze how it goes. Uh, the, we organize the international evaluation of pictures, but also uh, we communicate with the local teams. As uh, Wiki Loves Earth is held um, on a local level around uh, different countries, uh, we have local teams organize, organizing their own contests, uh, for example, in Ukraine or Ireland or uh, Sweden. And uh, these teams, um, we support them, we give the guidance uh, how to do that, how to promote the contest, how to uh, how to build a page, for example, on Wikipedia Commons, uh, how to make lists of nature monuments and how to implement this project, the contest, uh, in the most uh, effective and efficient way. And uh, also uh, our local teams, they uh, choose uh, their local local winners, uh, which they present to the international team. And then from our side, from the international team, we choose international winners each year. So the main, uh, my main responsibility is to communicate with local teams, to communicate and coordinate my international team. uh, And uh, uh, yeah, and just uh, uh, that, that's why I mentioned at the very beginning of this question that it's a very exciting job because you never know what uh, what exactly you will be doing, what task, what challenge you'll face because sometimes it's some specific request uh, from uh, some local team. Uh, it's, sometimes it's some communication material, some ideas uh, that uh, international team want to implement. Uh, it's very creative uh, job from one hand and from the another one is very specific because uh, always some management uh, uh, skills and some management tasks they are very specific so I, I love I love it very much because it involves both creative and operational sides uh, yeah that's uh, and getting to talk to people all over the world uh, as well yes yes especially uh, during the this pandemic and especially about going uh, from to online from offline for example uh, travels and uh, conferences and some events i was traveling a lot before uh, the pandemic and visited 34 countries and uh, different projects and people so um, it was very very dif- difficult for me to uh, to like go away from that life and this contest actually for the second year in a row uh, keeps me very uh, f- to feel very multicultural and uh, international and uh, because uh, I'm very passionate about exploring culture and exploring attitudes and approaches to different people to different backgrounds and different cu- cultures as well so this contest uh, for me is like a, a gem <laughs> to this purpose yeah and unlike some of the other international competitions like nature is is, is very much universal while people have different um, interactions or, or kind of cultural associations with them the, the idea of protected landscapes is I suppose more universal than other than other categorizations that you find across the Wikimedia movement, which is fantastic to see. So how did you how did you get involved yourself in the Wikimedia movement? So I'm a very recent uh, Wikimedian, let's say very recently joined uh, joined the movement because uh, that was the last year. 
in February when I saw on the Wikimedia Ukraine's page on Facebook that uh, they were searching for, for the help in coordinating the Wikilabs Earth International uh, competition. Uh, and I felt like, uh, of course, before I, I knew I, I was, uh, as a user of Wikipedia, I had like touches and I had, I, I was uh, already uh, like re- reading and editing, but not uh, being involved into in uh, in the activities, let's say. Uh, other other except for editing so i was uh, very interested uh, to to do more and also the as as i mentioned on the beginning i'm a passionate photographer so the topic was like wow that's a photography and all uh, that uh, really motivates me and uh, what i really love but also the nature that i'm passionate about the ecology i was working a few years uh, in this uh, sphere in the protection in the nature protection uh, so it was a match let's say that uh, combined uh, photography nature ecology and um, working with people which I really love uh, to find approaches to uh, to be uh, a team member but a team leader as well uh, because I think it's um, it's very important for successful implementation of every project every initiative is a teamwork so I was very interested actually to join the team and to coordinate the team as well uh, so that was a match the last year uh, and uh, yeah so the Wikilabs Earth 2020 was the first my uh, the first touch to the Wikimedia movement and I stayed for uh, I decided that uh, and it was uh, it was a match uh, both from my side and from the side of the team so we decided to, from bo- both of us we decided that uh, this year I will continue uh, doing uh, the coordination of the contest and uh, I'm very excited about it. I think it's interesting to hear that I think people assume from the outside that if you um, secure a position or something like that that you kind of you're very embedded in the community but no I think increasingly it's you know we, we don't look to people who are editing lots and uploading lots it's looking for skills and like you were saying you know perfect example all the skills that you had to bring into the movement is really important right yeah yeah and I, I love it well so what so over just the two years or you've obviously looked back probably over the full nine years to kind of get an idea of the competition how it's changed and, and evolved over time so have you seen any big changes or trends that have happened uh, through the competition through Wikilove's Earth uh, what I um, yes that's a very interesting question very important I think it's very important always to look back and analyze uh, the, some lessons and challenges to also form and shape the way forward so, um, yeah, I'm very lucky and very happy with my team because uh, in the international organizing team, we have experienced big comedians that are from that are there from the beginning of the contest, from 2013. Uh, so um, I, co- I can always talk to them and they can always uh, tell stories from back then and analyze uh, and um, and like advice uh, how we how we go way how we go that next and shape the way forward. So uh, what I've noticed. Uh, from the last year and from the the stories uh, that um, my team members were were telling that uh, uh, there is a big interest uh, um, to expand the contest and to uh, involve more countries, more user groups, more more people to organize the contest on the local level because uh, as we can see from the statistic that uh, each year this number grows and uh, if, if it was only one country, Ukraine in 2013, then in 2020 the last year we had 34 countries which is which is like uh, 
uh, a lot and uh, we we really look forward to bring this idea of this contest to even more more continents more countries and uh, involving uh, more communities to to show their protected areas to create this database uh, of of pictures of them and um, yeah so the, the the trend is what I look uh, look at the tendency that uh, we will we are getting more countries interested to organize and we uh, we will be working more on this on uh, spreading this idea and also telling how to do that that uh, telling that it's a very exciting project to work on and uh, yeah so that's the one trend uh, what I've noticed what else um, I would say uh, also the, the the challenge what I can talk about uh, what I can notice from the last year that uh, the, because of the pandemic before uh, we had during the last years we had more offline activities like people were organizing local organizers were doing phot- photography walks or some offline ceremonies where uh, there were awards for the local winners so it was more uh, concentrated on offline activities as well and the last year uh, obviously uh, everything changed and uh, now it's more focused on online but that also opened more opportunities and we also noticed that okay we can do webinars on different topics we can do more things that because people now are more used to online also and um, yes so this uh, the last year we started to do more webinars for example on how to create lists of nature monuments and also how to use the jury tool uh, for evaluating pictures and um, also it was the first time uh, in the Wikileaks Earth history when we organized the online award ceremony for international winners and we were very uh, like surprised by this because before we didn't think about it it was uh, not so much uh, let's say uh, events offline before so during this uh, uh, nine years uh, any any single year was some online award uh, ceremony but for now it was for us like so obvious why we hadn't uh, do it because it's uh, like very obvious to gather people international winners online so we were we liked a lot the uh, the event we organized for 20 week love source 2020 uh, we had some local winners, international jury members, some local organizers, international organizing team. Uh, so that's the, what we will continue doing. And um, yeah, so when I look back, uh, I see uh, lots of changes and challenges that affect the way forward for sure. So we are looking forward to expand the contest uh, geographically as well as uh, in terms of the, our activities. And uh, yeah, so a lot of opportunities. I found that very interesting, um, the growth of Wikilove's Earth from Ukraine to the rest of the world. How have you found it yourself, like running with it in Ireland? It is an interesting one, especially, say, in comparison to Wikilove's Monuments, which we'll probably talk about later in the year. Uh, Except mm-hmm. runs during September, and, and Wikilove's monuments came first. So now there is this phenomenon of like Wikilove's X, as we refer to it. So these kind of so Wikilove's folklore, Wiki for Human Rights. That there's this kind of formula now that we all follow. Yeah. The Earth one is interesting because the monument one is is in some ways quite not quite nationalistic, but it's quite defined by what a country decides is an important building or structure or you know built heritage mm-hmm. in that way. So it reflects the. I suppose the values and everything that, that a country may have, and you know, in some post-colonial contexts, that can be quite fraught. Which is why Wikilove's Monuments is popular, say, in the in certain parts of the world and not in others. 
basically. Right. Doesn't map yeah. quite as well. But Wiki Loves Earth, you know, a protected landscape, there is far more agreement about what that involves. You know, it's the flora, the fauna, the unique environment, that kind of thing. And also they can, as in the the case here in Ireland, is that they can cross boundaries. They can mm-hmm. cross um, borders. Country boundaries. Yeah. They can cross borders, exactly. Yeah. So there's something very kind of international and broader than ourselves. Okay. In a way, about Wikimedia, yeah. which I quite like. It's bigger than countries. It's, you know, and especially when you get into these kind of international, you know, that they're internationally agreed that this is an important place. It's not just Ireland saying, we like this bit. Yeah. I'm going to protect this bit. It's like, this area is a dark skies by UNESCO. So therefore, worthy of note because in people, other people have gone, yes, this is special. Yeah. yeah, or it's important because a bird that is usually in Greenland then comes to Ireland to feed for X mm-hmm. amount of years. So, you know, another country will feel the impact if we don't look after that that space yeah. for those for those migratory birds or, you know, whatever whatever fauna we're talking about or flora. So yeah, I, I for me, I think there is a it allows for, I suppose, kind of greater I don't know what the word is. Connection. Fe- yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels yeah. it feels like more of an international thing to do rather than kind of saying this is our, you know, upright stones in a field and they're very important and we're going to tell you why. It feels less Even though they are very important, but... Even though they are very important, yes. There's only, only so, I, you know, I'm probably jaded after, you know... How many years? years? Running that. <laughs> um, but there's a certain amount of, yeah, it's another pile of stones in a field. And they're all very important. I love them all. But there's, sometimes there's only so many photographs you can look at them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Just cut that last bit. I'm not cutting that last bit. <laughs> No, <laughs> stay in. But for Wiki Loves Earth, it's stones and fields, but for a very different reason. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a karst landscape, or it's you know, it's a bog, or it's a fen, or I now know the difference between a bog and a fen. I found this out via Twitter. It's to do with the acid levels in the water. Yep. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Like, we don't have fens in Ireland. Like, aha, <laughs> Kildare, replete yeah. with fens. Turns really? Out. Yeah, a lot of brackish environments yeah. in Kildare. So if you want to hear more of the interview with Anastasia, uh, you can support us on Headstuff Plus, which is the Headstuff Podcast Network. You can go to headstuffpodcast.com and give us your lovely money. We love your money. It helps us buy the technical equipment and pay for the editing software and all of that stuff. It's only five euro a month plus VAT. And I mean, it's a bargain, really, in this these days. Five euro a month plus VAT. And you get access to not just us your most favourite podcast, but also all of the other podcasts that are on the network, including some of my favourites, which are uh, What I'm Politics. Um, then there's the Spice Bag. Although the Spice Bags podcast is currently mid-season. They have stopped. They're, they're in between seasons right now. Um, but you can catch up on all of their older stuff and their, their behind-the-scenes extra bonus material. What about yourself, Rebecca? What are your favourite podcasts on the network? Well, Garrett Farley is always going to be a favourite of, favorite of mine. Uh, I absolutely love his his podcast and Dublin, of course, mm-hmm. is another great one because uh, I've been doing a deep dive on kind of Dublin culture and architecture and everything kind of Dublin the last few months in lockdown. Um, so I've really enjoyed those ones. But more importantly for me, it's part of being it's being part of a community. Yeah. Um, so it's not just that um, you're supporting us financially; you are also becoming part of a white. You know, you're helping us build and create this community around Irish content. And content coming from Ireland, uh, importantly yes. as well. So I think that's you know there's just something really inval- you know really invaluable in that. I agree. I agree. 
And it's good to hear other parts of Irish culture as well. I think one of the reasons why I particularly like the Spice Bags podcast is the three people who are involved in presenting it are from all parts of the world. And they interview creators of food in Ireland from all parts of the world. So I find lots of new places to go buy food because of it. I've recently discovered Isla on Capel Street and their delicious, delicious baklava because of this podcast. So that's kind of, um, yes, that is food and me and deliciousness. So, yes, you get all of that for five euro a month plus fat. I mean, why not? Why not just go to headstuffpodcast.com, sign up, give us your money. One of the newest shows on the Headstuff Podcast Network is the Hedge Radio Podcast, a narrative storytelling podcast from Wexford. It tells tales on everything from folklore and history to literature and arts and crafts. Here's the trailer to tell you more. So we have to buy hard hats. Have a listen to this. Just to carry my name and address and be shielded. You're not getting an answer to that. Have a listen to this. The Head Radio podcast looks at the humble scene in the backward place where no one important ever looks to steal from Patrick Kavanagh. Taking inspiration from the hedge schools of old, the Hedge Radio podcast brings you stories that you won't hear anywhere else. You need imagination for everything. Have a listen to this. It's someone's reaction to reading a book. So, who is this episode's a hero? This one is an initiative from the Wikimedia Foundation that was piloted last year and is currently preparing to be rolled out in more countries for this coming year. And that is reading Wikipedia in the classroom. Ooh, interesting. What's involved with that? You probably know that I spend a lot of my time in my work for Wikimedia Community Ireland here, you know, locally, partnering with lecturers and educators to get third level and higher students editing Wikipedia. Mm hmm. However, preparing students and teachers for editing Wikipedia can be a really big ask, depending on the context, and often at primary and post-primary level with time pressures and fitting it into the existing curriculum. It's just, it's just not feasible to actually get, you know, students actually adding edits to especially yeah. English language Wikipedia. So what this program aims to do is to give teachers and students materials and guidance on how they can critically assess Wikipedia articles, and importantly, educating those students on how to responsibly use Wikipedia as a research tool. So kind of knowing what is and isn't true on the internet, or how to tell what isn't isn't true on the internet. Nail on the head. It's all about critical digital skills, being able to evaluate the content they're accessing online, and learning about things like bias and knowledge gaps. So what are we are being told, but what we are also not being told is mm. very important. Also, the acceptance that not everybody wants or needs to become a Wikipedia editor, but learning to use Wikipedia well is a very important skill, particularly for those students out there for whom Wikipedia is the only encyclopedia that they've ever kind of meaningfully known. Um, they've never had a world book. They've never had a world book. Sadness. I know. The program is also trying to move the dialogue away from educators saying never use Wikipedia in angry capital letters, you know, within their course material mm. uh, and more moving it towards this is how you use Wikipedia as one tool out of many in your tool set. I do remember having a lecturer, I think uh, when I was doing my master's, who was very anti, not just Wikipedia, but I think also anti Google. And I was kind of like, well, how how do you find things then? Like, the way I used Wikipedia when I was doing my master's was to go to the references at the bottom and go to the original sources to see if my thoughts could be backed up, you know, or I could find and that's relevant That's sources. step one. Like if you're looking at a Wikipedia article, go down to the references and see how well fleshed out they are. So if all the references are coming mm -hmm. from 
I don't know, local newspapers or, or you know, things that you're like, nah, I don't know about the substance behind this. And obviously, depending on the topic that you're reading about, yeah. some are going to be more scholarly, some aren't. Um, but yes, that's exactly how you should use it. It's the same way that, you know, you shouldn't use Wikipedia as your reference. Like when you're writing an essay, you should have Wikipedia as the reference that you state. In the same way that, you know, 20, 40 years ago, if you had cited the Britannica, you know, the Encyclopedia Britannica mm-hmm. at third level, you would have been laughed out of any any course. It's just 101. You don't cite encyclopedias. They're fine as an entry point, mm-hmm. but you always go deeper. You always go further. And the beauty of Wikipedia is that it allows you to actually go directly to those sources because um, they yeah. all should hopefully uh, be well, you know, well written out references that allow you to do that, that verifiability and that, that you know, tracking back to the source. that was the world according to wikipedia join us in two weeks you can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice follow us on twitter at world underscore wikipedia thanks to patricia o'flaherty for our artwork and headstuff for production assistance go to headstuffpodcast.com for show notes and more information and to support the headstuff plus network your money a small amount a small amount of your money only five euro plus vat it's nothing i don't think that's how subliminable 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 <laughs> subliminal we can do asmr give us your money <laughs> you know you want to join us join us on it come be one with the collective this show is part of the headstuff podcast network <laughs> 